Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my Mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join 
the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. night it's game time warm-ups are over you're lacing up your shoes one last time and you're about to step out onto the court but this court is covered in roses and i'm gonna be wearing stilettos instead of sneakers welcome to game of roses this is pace case This is Bachelor Clues, and we have just consumed night one of season 18 of The Bachelorette. That's Michelle Young. Or has it consumed us? (laughs) No, I am unconsumed by this season as of yet. We'll see what happens. But it feels like it was only a few months ago that we were just wrapping up season 17 of The Bachelorette with Katie Thurston. That's because that's exactly what happened. This is an unprecedented thing we just watched tonight. It is the second Bachelorette season this year. And technically, it's the fourth Bachelorette in... Two years. Three seasons? Two years, yeah. Because we had Claire Crawley, Tasha Adams, Katie Thurston, and now Michelle Young. But tonight was interesting. There were some things in it that, of course, we're going to be discussing. These things may or may not be folders that were snuck into the game by one of the players. And we're going to be talking about the implications of that and how we believe that it may be a direct attack on us. Or it may not be, but it feels like it at the very least. Uh, Definitely (laughs) feels that way. And, of course, this attack is coming because we have authored a book, Pace Case and I. That book is called How to Win Mm -hmm. the Bachelor. It comes out January 18th. And once that happens, every player who goes into the game is going to be having folders, except those folders will be in their brains after they have read our book. Mind folders. Mind folders. That's right. And right now, if you want to, you can pre-order How to Win the Bachelor anywhere that you pre-order your books. And if you do, it's going to go towards a contest. If you pre-order the book, you can go to howtowinthebachelor.com, upload your receipt, and you will be entered into a drawing. We are going to be giving away 15 autographed copies of the book. We are going to be giving away five one-hour Zooms with Pace Case and myself. We are going to be giving away three contraband T-shirts that we made but never released because what is on them is... Shocking, dare I say. And three lucky people are going to be getting those. And you can see what's on those shirts when you get them. And one lucky person is going to be getting the Holy Grail. We are not even going to say what it is. You're just going to get a little box in the mail. You're going to open it up. And you're going to be astounded at what is inside that box. And live forever. We're all going to live forever. We're living in the social media age. Our Instagrams are going to outlive all of us. That's our souls now. Hmm. Well, let me tell you about the second contest. We are going to live forever, but you know what's not going to live forever? Our second contest, which is we have a pit goal where we're trying to sell 10,000 pre-orders of How to Win the Bachelor. And if we reach certain points, we are going to give certain gifts to the pit. 
Clues, you want to know what percent we're at of our goal right now? Please, please tell me. We are at 12.98% of our goal. Okay, we're getting there. 13%. We got some work to do. <laughs> we, we have some work <laughs> to do. And we hope that we ultimately get to 100% of our goal. But uh, I would at least like to get to 25% of it. I mean, that's the next step. 25% at that point, we will release the bottom of the pit world premiere of this song. At 50%, we will do an IG live from the shadow of the mansion, Clues and I. And at 75%, we will compete versus one another in a Huju competition. And at 100%, we will be doing a surprise gift for the entire pit. I at least want that 25% though. I've worked very hard on the bottom of the pit. That's the title of my upcoming song, my single. And if we don't hit 25%, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the only person who ever hears it. I'm not releasing it. It will die with me. Yeah. Clues won't even let me hear it until we hit 25. No one can until we hit 25%. Then everyone can. Oh, man. That's how it works. I hope we get there. 13% is, you know what? That's more than half of 25%. You want me to sing the first two lines to you? A little teaser? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that'll help with the motivation. <laughs> Okay. The first two lines go Our like marketing this. strategies, we got to evolve them. We got to try different different tactics. The first two lines are this. It kind of starts out with like this low like banana no no no. Like it's I can't do the fucking music uh-huh. with my mouth, but it's it starts out with kind of a low bassy thing. And then I come in, I sing it, you know, and I go Uh-huh. Close your eyes and listen to the shadows. Those are the first two lines. Thank you. That's right. If you want to hear the rest of it, we got to get 25%. That's what we get for 13%. I mean, we got to get it higher. (laughs) We get one line of the song. Okay. Pitt, help us out. That's right. I'm dying to know what the next line is. Please go pre-order How to With a Bachelor. Help us out. Help out the pit. I want to release this song. By the way, one other piece of motivation... We will, if we get enough pre-orders, record an audiobook, and it'll be Clues and I narrating. Oh, yeah, that's true. We're starting to get a little bit of news about that right now. So hopefully we can get the numbers up high enough that that audiobook comes out and we get to do it. But it's, it's looking good. But now let's do what we came here to do. Pace case. We got to break down all the best plays, all the best players, all those big errors, the creatures of the week, of which there were none, sadly, and our Jorge Moreno bystanders of the week. This is where we break it all down for you. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So, the first thing we hear on night one is the announcer's voice that is not Chris Harrison, that is also not Lil Jon. This is the guy who did... Dang it. Katie Thurston's season. I know. So they're back to whoever that is. I still don't know who this person is, but this announcer comes on and we start to see the promos with all the shots of what we're going to see in the upcoming season. We see kids, shirtless guys, Top Gun style flight suits, literally a reference to the song from Top Gun when somebody says, she takes my breath away. I'm sure that was a producer line. This movie came out in 1986. It is 35 years old. Ooh, I did not get that ref. Too young. I rest my case, your honor. (laughs) 
We see the ice cream truck. We see some forced nudity, some race cars, baseball, basketball, the alarming papers with strategies and everything. We see some forced violence. <laughs> we see a jacket getting thrown in a pool. And we see in the end, Michelle Young is saying, did I make the right decision to come here or not? What we're missing in this little promo is the fence jump moment, the bring her home to us moment. Mm. We are also missing an ambulance. We are missing any sense of real drama in this. And to me, this opening promo didn't work. Yeah, I mean, what are we building to? The jacket in the pool? Jacket's probably fine. <laughs> well, we don't know. <laughs> a jacket may still be in the pool. We just will never know. But the promo did not do its job, in my opinion. But then we open portion one, and here we are now in the meat of the show. We open with Michelle Young at school teaching her younglings. And we know she is on her way to be an influencer. She will never set foot in this classroom again. But for the narrative purposes of this season, we have to see her teaching. This is part of her identity. And her students are in the fifth grade. And we get these nice little moments where they're asking her, how many guys are you going to be kissing? And they're kind of sending her these well wishes. Now, we get no names of any of these students, no Chirons. They are not allowed to reveal their identity. They're not going to get any Instagram followers off of this. They're just kind of <laughs> nameless children there to prop up the entire franchise and our Bachelorette. Nonetheless, these students, specifically the one who says she's excited to meet, see Miss Young as the next Bachelorette, and she enforces this early indoctrination idea baked into the show itself. These students were my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Cute. Yeah, they were incredibly cute. Michelle Young has used the child army in the past. She used it in her hometown on Matt James's season mm -hmm. to drastically good effect. And here, we're just starting back right where we left off with that. Look, she has this army of children that is in full support of her. I'm sure this isn't the last time we're going to see the army of children. We even see them in a promo at the end here. No way. <laughs> They're going to be on a fucking group date. But I, I thought this was a great use of them right up top. And, you know, unfortunately, they get no credit. They are the unsung heroes of what is essentially the first shots of this season, the tone setters of this season. We don't even know their names. I think we're going to get some names. I think some of these kids are going to get clout. That's just a pace case prediction. <laughs> How many of these kids do you think will be on clickbait? How many will, will be there towing the company line? Michelle Young was there for the right reasons. She's still teaching us via Zoom, even though she's not in the classroom anymore. <laughs> Yeah, they don't really put kids on podcasts, do they? <laughs> I don't fucking know. I'm sure somebody does. No, it's possible Michelle Young will go back to teaching after this. Popeye is still in the skies. That's true. Piloting. That's true. There's one. One crown. But if Popeye were given the opportunity to become a professional DJ and influencer, do you think he'd still fly? He has the opportunity to be a professional influencer. He has one point whatever, seven million followers. And a podcast. I'm saying the DJing, though. That's like his true dream, it seems like, is to DJ. I think he could DJ if he wanted to DJ. If you have over a million followers, you could DJ. <laughs> That's probably true. I think you need some skill. Ask Baylakai. That's just the rules. No, you did. Okay. Yeah. You can have a ghost DJ write all your, your, um, 
playlist. You have somebody under your DJ table who's actually doing the DJing on a different set of computers yeah. just like Rick was doing. They just put one finger above the table. Yeah, perfect. And press the things for you. I don't know a lot about the DJ game, to be honest. Anyway, back to night one. We then see Michelle Young shoots a basketball. And so we get this this identity. She is a teacher first, basketball player second. Both of these are big pieces of her identity. And we get this ponder shot as she's talking about growing up in Woodbury, Minnesota. And she tells us about her incredible parents, her perfect childhood. And she didn't date until her senior year. Dating hasn't been easy for her. And we see this whole scene where she then sits down and eats with her parents, who she says have been her perfect model for a relationship. It's what she's looking for, to be able to find somebody who can give her the type of relationship that she has seen, this unattainable example of perfection. And what we get here effectively, is a season opening, C-O-T-A, the Kota, as we say. That's a ceremony of the ancients. But her parents are playing the ancients. This, by the way, for any new listeners, is a thing that happens almost every season where they bring in two old people who've been together for decades and they try to impart some wisdom upon the lead and whoever they're dating about what it takes to make a relationship last. I mean, any player coming into the game has to pretty much choose one of two paths. You have the parental longevity path or you have the PTC broken parental divorce, et cetera, death in the family. I mean, you don't really get to choose which path you have, but you play up each for what it is. Michelle Young, she's looking to recreate what her parents have. You have players like Nate, for example, who are like, I want to break the pattern that I saw growing up. I know that that's not what I want. I want another thing. Then we see Michelle dancing across a bridge and then we cut to LA and we see Michelle Young getting the celebrity treatment as she shoots promo videos and stills for her upcoming season. This is the idea of fame as a prize being presented front and center. We see this with every lead, every season. It goes from, I'm just this small town person to now it's the glitz and glamour of getting your picture taken and getting your hair done and put in suits and dresses and jewelry and all of that. And the idea that celebrity is a part of this prize is presented directly to us as an audience, straight through the fucking screen. We're then presented with another prize in the game. She drives this red convertible up to Indian Wells, goes to a nice hotel suite, and then she has a Council of Crowns with Caitlin and Tasha. The Ultimate Girl Gang are back, and they talk about the other prize, the sparkler, the bling bling. They're like, are you going to get one soon? She hopes she's next. And she continues to use these school teacher metaphors. School's out for the summer. Bring on the men. Those rings, when they're fucking flashing their rings at her, this to me is mm-hmm. so fucking reminiscent of like on ESPN, whenever you watch football game coverage, basketball game coverage, whatever. If somebody has recently won like an NBA championship and they're coming to do color commentary or a Super Bowl and they're coming to do color commentary, they will show off their ring like that, their championship ring. This is exactly what that is. Hold it up like an engagement ring? Yeah. They'll be like, I just won this this ring. Or, or other dudes may even be like... Oh, but with a fist. Masculine. Yeah, it's a little masculine. More masculine than like how... Kaylin Tish did it, but you know, the other guys that they're even doing the commentary with may be like, Hey, let me see your ring, man. Nice ring. Like they'll even compliment them on it. This is exactly huh. the same thing, at least in function. But that ends portion one, and then portion two begins. Night falls as Michelle is putting on some earrings and getting ready for the night one ceremonies. 
And the quote we opened with up top comes right here <laughs> where she's saying it's game time. And the only difference is instead of basketball shoes, she's going to be wearing stilettos. It's just like, could we have more open gameplay speech directly from a lead who is saying she is playing a fucking sport? And this is the same thing that gets pissed when people bring in game plans. So the lead can openly talk about how it's a game. Somebody who brings in game plans is immediately locked out of the game. It's such a weird, complex piece of this game mm -hmm. that certain people can talk about it in these metaphorical ways. But if you have concrete proof that you believe it's a game, then it's too much and you're fucking out. That's 4TWR. Yeah, you can prepare certain things. Certain things are 4TRR preparation, such as Blake Moynes reading the book. But certain things are 4TWR preparation, such as making a list of your hero players and putting them <laughs> in a folder. <laughs> yeah, the fucking folders. We're going to get to the folders. Like, what a bonehead fucking move. The folders were my favorite part. <laughs> you have the folders, make the folders, then you leave the folders at home. Mind folders. Folders don't come with you. We're going to get into this. I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'm so sorry. How to Win the Bachelor. Available on pre-order. We then get the intro packages, which I don't believe we had last season, actual intro packages. So we're sort of returning back to the main game. Mm -hmm. Our first one is Chris S., commodities broker. He's from New Orleans. We see him get his eyebrows waxed. He says he's a mama's boy. Says they're both family-oriented and both point guards. And then we get Joe Coleman from Minneapolis also. We see he's a real estate development guy and he's looking for a queen to build with. He also plays basketball and they graduated the same year. Seems genuine. We're going to find out later about him. We also see Clayton Etchard, our next bachelor. Uh, he likes that Missouri was slower paced where he grew up. We see him playing cornhole. Just a good old boy from the Midwest. <laughs> Relatable. All of this is just positioning to essentially introduce him as the bachelor. And he says that he was also a D1 college athlete. He played football where Michelle played uh, basketball, of course. And introduces his mom, Kelly, who's a teacher, who says that he'll make a wonderful partner. Seems for TRR. Intro four is Brandon Jones, a traveling nurse recruiter from Portland. Has the same Jesus necklace as Mikey Planeta. Mm. Stole his look. He plays basketball. He has a PTC that he raised his brother because his parents were always working. And we see him and his brother packing. Intro five is Nate, sales executive from Austin, Texas. We see him with his dog. He loves road trips. His mom is also a teacher. Intro six is Chris G from Halifax, Nova Scotia in Canada. He works for a nonprofit with kids, ironing clothes, nervous. He's excited. Then we cut to Taitlin. They say they're going to start scouting the guys to make sure they're up to Michelle's standards, which apparently casting did not do that job already. And so they knock on Spencer's door, who's not wearing a shirt. They kick him out of his room, and then they ransack his shit. They start going through all of the suitcases, <laughs> Room Raider style, which was a show that was on MTV maybe 10 years ago. And we know already this is a setup. This is all bullshit. We have never seen a host do this before. This is for some bigger play that's going to come up almost immediately after this. We know that it's going to make it plausible in the very next ransacking that they do, which is Ryan, they're going to make it plausible that, oh, they came upon these papers. So we see Ryan's intro. He works on a ranch where he was born. He reprises Caitlin Bristow's own opening line, saying that he knows how to plow a field. That's what she told Chris Souls on her limo exit in season 19. And then Caitlin digs through his shit. They find 
the research about screen time and all the other shit. And I'm watching this thinking to myself, who the fuck is watching this show believing any of it is real? There's two things that can be true here. One, the producers did not go through all of his shit when he came on the show, which that is not true. They Mm -hmm. did. They always do. They tell you, you have to pack two suitcases with your fucking clothes and your makeup, whatever your daily regimens are. And that's all you can bring. No books, no cell phones, no iPads. And they do go through your shit to make sure those things aren't in there. But let's say for some reason this season, they didn't do that. <laughs> no, they did. But they did. I don't. I can't even go to the fucking, to the other thing because they, they've concocted this entire thing. Okay, maybe they miss it. Yeah, right. But they've made up this whole thing with Taitlin ransacking people's shit so that they can expose this. They did go through his shit. They saw those folders in there. They allowed him to come on the show anyway. So they don't have Michelle's best interests in mind. They want this guy in specifically to stir up some kind of fucking drama with these folders. And then they tell Taitlin, hey, we're going to have you go through people's suitcases because you need to find this shit in his suitcase so that you can then tell Michelle about it. Otherwise, there's no way we can get it into the document. That is the only possible solution. They set him up. And it's, it was hard to watch. It was very hard to watch. Of course, because, I mean, and we'll get to this. I don't think that guy was like Machiavellian about it. I think he was just like, I'm coming into the situation and I don't really know what the fuck this show is. He watched a bunch of it, made a bunch of notes and knew that he was going to have a bunch of downtime in the show to like go over them and shit. I don't think he necessarily was like, I have to win this game. He's like, fuck, people who get turned into villains. I, he just... Heard about fucking Brendan Marias. Well, I guess this was shooting at the same time, roughly. So maybe he didn't know about Brendan Marias, but he knows what happens to villains and that that can fuck you up. And he's got two friends, as he says later, chirping in his ear about like what the show is and shit. So he was like, fuck, what am I getting myself into? He was just trying to protect himself. That's what it felt like to me. At any rate, we're going to get to all that in a, in a minute. So Taitlin then direct addresses the camera and says, this makes them uncomfortable. What do we do about this? And that's the cliffhanger to portion three. Well, what they don't do, I can tell you, is immediately tell Michelle. They don't bring it up to her at all. They just let it fucking linger. They need to wait until she has love level one, Tim. Yeah, exactly. Portion three, we see Michelle getting ready. We see her greet Taitlin. KB says, we did meet some of your guys. Great opportunity to mention the folders. Don't mention it there. (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm saying like at this point we did meet some of your guys there's one thing i probably want to bring up but we don't have time yeah we'll do it later it's like who the fuck is watching this show and thinking any of this is fucking real if they really found these folders and really gave a fuck and were really trying to help her find love wouldn't they immediately be like look there's you're still gonna meet this guy and everything but you gotta know we found these fucking folders in his shit and blah, blah, blah. They would tell her that immediately if they really cared. They're not her friends. They don't give a fuck. They're just hosting the show. Do you think they even went through everyone's stuff? No. I think they went through the three we saw. Absolutely. Yeah. We then get our limo exits. The alpha is Nate, sales executive from Austin. He gives his name, which is very long. Babatunda, Olufemi, Robert, Nathaniel, Olukoya, my friends call me Nate. Before we start this journey, I just want to say it's better Nate than never. Nice, solid standy. And Michelle loads Love Level 1 after she meets him. I like Nate. Interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Then we get Romeo. He's the second Lemieux. He's 32, mathematician from New York, New York. He emerges with an aloha, speaking French. And when he leaves to go into the mansion, Michelle looks over at Caitlin and Tasha. They're hiding behind a wall or in the bushes or something. I don't know where they've got them like sequestered, but they're peeping over this little wall watching all this. She gives them a thumbs up and they're laughing and like, oh, she likes him. This is exactly what they did on Katie Thurston's season. And I thought it worked pretty well there. Here, it's lacking a little something. I don't know if it's because of where they have them stationed and it just looks like they're <laughs> behind some weird wall and they didn't really give it much thought. And we'll get into some other shooting stuff throughout the course of this episode that was just abysmal. The production of this season is, it needs some work. But we get this thing that Tisha and Caitlin are just going to be sitting over there as the Greek course, kind of chiming in, having their reactions to each one of these guys. And then we see Jack is number three. He's 30, a former army officer from Philadelphia. He does a standee. He says, I'm Jack, Jack Russell, like the dog. I'm loyal and attentive, but also playful. And I'm ready to play tug of war for your heart. All right. Uh, Number four, we get our next bachelor, Clayton Eckerd, medical sales rep from Columbia, Missouri. He says, I heard you're a teacher. I used to be a student. So he heard she was a teacher. So he's already done some research, but this research is okay. In case I do get in trouble out of line, I brought you something. And he gives her a yardstick Kringle, a weapon with which to smack his ass. This time only I will allow one free swing. So it's an it takes two Kringle. She spanks him. And he plays up how nervous he was. Then we get Jamie, a 32-year-old biotech CEO from San Diego, California, part of that San Diego crew. He delivers a blandy. But I thought that was a standy. Yo, that was just fabric until you brought it to life. Ugh, I guess. Is it? <laughs> is everything just a standy if somebody speaks? Okay, fine, fine, blandy. To me, it was a blandy. I don't know. There's some discrepancy. Fill it in in your own scorecards as you like. There will be a scorecard in the back of How to Win the Bachelor, available for pre-order now. <laughs> Michelle then <laughs> loads level of one for Jamie right after that. I like him. And then our sixth limo exit. We got to get through 30 of these fucking limo exits. Let's see if we can do a record of how many book ads we can put in this pod. I, I thought you were going to say, let's see if we could do a record of how fast we can go through all the limo exits. Number mm. six is Chris G. He's 28, motivational speaker from Halifax, Nova Scotia. He gives us a standy spoken word poem. Then we have Malik. He's 36, academic administrator from San Diego, California with a blandy. Alec, 29, engineer, North Charleston, South Carolina. Blandy. Will, 28, academic interventionist. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what that is. You help kids who are doing bad with their grades, maybe. He's from Grand Rapids, Michigan. He gives us an aloha in Spanish. Then we have Pardeep. He's 30, a neuroscientist from Brooklyn, New York. He gives us a standee. My dopamine is on fire after seeing you. It seemed like that was a punchline to a joke we didn't get to see the setup for. Because he's a neuroscientist. Yeah. I think that's a setup. I think he must have said something about brain chemistry or something, though, before that. Mm-hmm. Seemed like that was a punchline to me. Hey, at least he got a word in. There was one guy who didn't get a single word. Yeah, look, they got to cut him quick at a certain point. Number 11, we had Olu. He's 27, IT analyst from Newark, New Jersey. He gives us a standee. It feels like NBA draft night, and I'm hoping I could be your number one pick. Not only a standee, <laughs> open gameplay speech. I love that sports comparison. Right after Olu, Michelle says, I feel like these men have done their homework. Homework is a positive in this sense. But it's also like a teacher thing, you know. I think she's trying to hit her teacher identity with do your homework. I know, but it's research. Whatever. I, look, you're preaching to the fucking choir. You don't think I think this <laughs> I is know. a hypocrisy that's happening right in front of our fucking eyes? Because you don't get it. <laughs> I 
think I just do. don't get it, clues. I think I do. As we're 30 minutes into a podcast and we're not even a quarter of the way through any of our notes. Oh, God. I oh, get God. it. Night one's tough. So then we have Chris S, 28, commodities broker from West Hollywood, California. Grandy, standy, taut, triple combo. He comes in on a school bus, dressed in shorts with a backpack. And then he says, you might have to take an exam of mine. And he says, I might give you an A or you might get a D. And she says, see you later to that one. And he's like, no, no, a diamond, a diamond. <laughs> Now, we've seen people do Ugh. blue work before, like Caitlin Briscoe, one of the greatest who ever played. She comes out and tells mm-hmm. Chris Souls, you can plow the fuck out of my field anytime. This does not work the same when guys say it to the Bachelorette. It's not the same vibe. You can't do this shit. And it depends on your audience. We'll get to another one. <laughs> Michelle Young is not the person to do these types of jokes to. That is true. That is true. Read the room, gentlemen. Next, we get Garrett, tech CEO from Salt Lake City. He says, my family said I ought to break the leg. I actually did break my foot right before I come here. An early IFI. And it's a standee. We got Casey, an advertising creative director from Miami Beach, Florida. He does an It Takes Two, playing the hand slap game with Michelle. We get Brandon K. This man is a brand manager. And I would say he is not managing his brand very well with his limo exit. He cringles Michelle Young, the finest jewelry in all of Louisiana, he calls it a necklace. And he says, this pair you have to earn by showing me your, and he does a groping boob gesture. And this boob gesture was my error, 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 error of the game. You gotta know your first audience. You gotta know your current decade. We are long past the boob zone, and Michelle Young is not the target for a joke like this, even if it were with the times, in my opinion. This leads to a reverse Kringle by the Bachelorette. She gives him the necklace back. You never want the crown to give back your Kringle. Is it a reverse Kringle, or is it a return to sender? (laughs) RTS. A question for the times. (laughs) Then we have LT. He's 38 years old. He is a yoga guru from Bellevue, Washington. Check out his TikTok if you haven't seen it. It is some of the finest cringe content you're going to find. He emerges in a taut, a tuxedo speedo, which was my favorite fucking limo exit. This shit was bananas. We've never seen anything quite like this. He's adjusting it as he's coming out. There's like a tight shot of his crotch. And then he walks into the house Gets a few mixed reactions. And then we end with a cliffhanger. A dinner table is wheeled in by a masked lady. And this masked PA pushing the table was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. week, 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 week. We come back to start portion four with the big reveal that this grandy has been done by a man named Rick, a medical sales rep from L.A. He pops out of a covered salad on a dinner table. He says, I want to tell you all about the special tonight. The special comes from L.A., perfectly aged at 32 years, a little sweet, a little spicy. Enjoy your appetizers. But when you're ready for the main course, come find me. And then Michelle replaces the cover on top of his head and hauls him inside. 
and he then scares the men inside as well. <laughs> this was my favorite limo exit. It was creepy as fuck, and I will never forget it. It was one of the weirdest things. I've been trying to curb my photographs that I take on my TV screen to make my memes a little bit so that I can take better notes. When this shit fucking popped mm-hmm. off, I just shut my computer and was like, just taking fucking compulsive photos of the screen. I'm like, what is this fucking man doing? This is the worst idea for a limo exit I've ever fucking seen. The fact that the cover over his fucking head. I love it. He gives her that opportunity to literally remove him from the document. You want screen time, dude. You are literally covered head to toe by this fucking thing. And it's now just your head. And that looks weird. Your facial expressions are bizarre. He's going from like trying to be serious to flattering her to trying to be funny. It's all over the place. This was one of the worst fucking limo exits I've literally ever seen in my life. Kudos for the attempt. I think that's why it was my favorite. (laughs) It was so cringy. There were no creatures this episode, but I wanted to give Rick my creature of the week. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe he was like a, a ham or something. What food was he trying to mimic? But... This had Bonsall vibes to me. Yes. Coming in in the box and kind of keeping yourself hidden. Except your fucking head is floating by itself. Just a big <laughs> swing and a miss on this one. Good try, Rick. And he did. He stuck around, you know, like the, the producers are going to keep that guy around because he's fucking game, you know. Like, I don't know if this was really his idea or not, but I'm sure at some point the producers were like, no, you got to stay in there. Because when he comes into the fucking house later, there's a part where the guys are like, are you going to stay in there all night? And he's like... I don't know. I hope not. As though it's not even his choice. I feel like it wasn't his idea. And can you imagine that conversation where they're like, uh, I like whatever your idea is, but we want you to do this. And he's like, okay. Totally. I feel like Bonsall probably wasn't his idea Ugh. either. These ones that require like a little bit of production, that this one doesn't require as much as Bonsall, but like for Bonsall's thing, it's like we need to have a giant fucking functional box that a man can sit in. You don't just like pull that out on night one. That's something you have to have at least a couple of days of preparation for. So the producers have to be aware of it. This required probably a day worth of rigging that little table and cutting a hole for the head and all that shit, you know? Do you think he's just kneeling on a cart? Yeah, he's probably kneeling. I think he's sitting down like cross-legged style with his Mm. head through that hole. (laughs) So horrible. It's terrible. (laughs) So horrible. Moving on. We then have our 18th limo exit. Ryan, he's 30, environmental consultant from San Jose, California. He does a grandy standy, arrives in this ice cream truck and asks if anyone ordered a double scoop of love. Again, they do not tell her about the folders. They allow him to do this grandy. They do not tell her about the folders. 19th limo exit, Rodney, 29, sales rep, Rancho Cucamonga, California. He does a taut standy, comes out in this apple costume, and he says, you're my favorite teacher. I'm just trying to be the apple of your eye. Peter... 26 years old, is a pizzapreneur. Not sure what that is. He comes from Port St. Joe, Florida, and he emerges with an Aloha standy, speaking Italian, with some prop work of throwing some dough into the air haphazardly. It looks like he's going to spin a pizza, and he just flips this shit on the ground. (laughs) This was also one of my favorites. He's screaming, buongiorno, principessa. (laughs) Screaming. It's fucking hilarious. By the way, a pizzapreneur is a new take on that guy who was a pantsapreneur. Do you remember that? I do. Yes, I do. J.J. O'Brien. Yes. And after Peter, we get a shot of Michelle. She is trying to laugh through these limo entrances, but she's having a hard fucking time keeping the excitement level up. She is tired of this fucking shit. And (laughs) I got to say, as an audience, I felt the exhaustion. 
because we are just go the amount of Bachelor that there is now that we are constantly watching and covering. It is just such a fucking avalanche of it. And I felt it through Michelle when she's kind of like, ha 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 ha. But she doesn't <laughs> want to see 10 other fucking guys. Too bad. You have to. We move on. Number 21. Daniel is 26. <laughs> firefighter from Austin, Texas. He pulls off a grandy taut standy dressed as a firefighter comes in on a mini fire truck and says, I heard there was a fire, but it's really just a smoke show. New Wolverine. We then get a one-upping immediately after PJ comes in in a grandee of an actual fire truck just to one-up Daniel. They're both firefighters. Next up, we get Brandon Jones, a traveling nurse recruiter from Portland, Oregon, who enters on a bed pushed by two masked PAs and gets Michelle into bed. Wanted to show you what it would be like waking up next to me for the rest of our lives. Grandy. All these masked fucking production people. It's so fucking eerie, especially now in this era we're living in. If you've all seen Squid Game, you probably have. Number one show in the fucking world. All that shit. The SQ era. It's the S... What? SQ era? What's that? SQ. Oh, wait. <laughs> SG. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Squid era. But... Just like in Squid Game, the, the helpers that like facilitate these murder games are all masked so that you can't see who they are. And it's the same thing in Bachelor. The only people that you can see are the celebrities, the players of the game. Mm -hmm. The people who are facilitating the game are walking around in masks. They're there just to push the beds around or wheeling the guy in the fucking dinner table or yeah. whatever. It's so fucking weird. Also, with the firefighters, is it the first time we've seen producers actively sabotage someone's limo exit? They make that guy come in in the little fire truck and then the very next guy is like big fire truck fuck you little fire truck i think we had a similar thing with two pilots before mm. where it was like one was like a jokey pilot and then the other one came in like a full pilot's outfit i think you're right i think that was pilot pete season when he was a player hannah brown season yeah because he had a taught right yeah Next up, we get Brian, an NFL player, does and It Takes Two, doing a dance dip. He doesn't get a word on screen. Jamari, personal trainer from Fresno, does a taut standy where he rips off his sl the sleeves of his jacket. Yes. I, I just laughing at that one. That was a, squealing. It was one of my favorite <laughs> limo exits. It was so fucking funny because that dude also has like a super deep voice and he's just like, let me get rid of these sleeves. Rip, rip. It's like, Jesus Christ, this guy's a fucking incredible Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I was sad to see him go. I wanted to see more of his shirt tearings. Edward, a wellness coach, does an It Takes Two with some prop work with a sound bath. Gets her to take a deep breath. Deep breath is such a common It Takes Two limo exit. Then we get Leroy, a biomedical PhD student from The Source, Dallas, Texas, who takes a selfie with Michelle with a giant camera. It Takes Two. Martin, personal trainer from Miami, Florida, does an actual flip and says, so I feel like I'm already flipping crazy about you, Standy. Impressive. And then our Omega is Joe Coleman, 28-year-old real estate developer from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He has a blandy, but it has some intrigue. She says he looks familiar. He chalks it up to coincidence, just that they're both from the same town. And she's like, I think he slid into my DMs. And she even knows his last name as he walks away. Are you Joe Coleman? It's like, yep. So... There's going to be some intrigue here. This is a very common practice that producers do. They will have one player that the lead has met before, has maybe potentially hooked up with before. That has happened on many seasons in recent history. Clues. 
Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect T-shirt does exist. And you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues, uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, it is springtime. It is the off season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. (gasps) I'm a source boy, Quince boy. You got no idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. (laughs) Just call me Quinced. King Quinces, they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. 
Go to quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Portion five, Michelle consults with Taitlin and says that they message back and forth on Instagram and then he ghosted her. We get Nate starting a little colorful narrator thing in his ITM. He's like, people say butterflies. I had like pigeons in my stomach. At the cocktail party, (laughs) Rick is still stuck in the table as everyone claps for Michelle. We get Jamie as the first responder. When Michelle comes down these stairs, this is the hero shot of the whole fucking episode. This is the first time you're seeing The Bachelorette come in to address all of the players. This is when she needs to walk out shine like a fucking angel. Instead, she is walking down this giant staircase into the inauguration room. Terribly fucking shot. There are these hanging lights obscuring this big hero moment in the foreground, so you can't even really see her. She's out of focus in some of it. It's just the worst coverage of what should be the biggest moment at that point in the show. And it's just lazy. You can tell that like no thought is being given on like how to shoot this fucking entrance at all. In my opinion, you have a camera either at the bottom of the stairs or you even have a fucking steady cam operator tracking back down the stairs as she's coming towards you. You backlight her a little bit so it looks like she's fucking glowing and you give her this moment. Mm-hmm. Instead, 90% of her body is cut off by the wall that lines the stairs. She's in and out of focus. She's way in the fucking distance. It's just terrible production. Like, I mean, I don't even know how you would think to shoot it that way. It makes no fucking sense to me. And I don't know if it's like the crew is tired because they're just shooting season after season after season. They don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. The director doesn't give a fuck. I don't know what's going on here, but this looked like absolute shit. And it, for your bachelorette, especially like the job the marketing department is doing with all these great fucking things where she's sitting in the frame and the roses and she looks fucking incredible and the crystal basketball hoop and all that shit. And this is the, her first moment where she's interacting with the players is like, you can't even see her in it. It's just terrible. It's also like, you know, they chose that staircase for a reason. They chose it for that shot to have it be this like Cinderella moment. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. She looked like a fucking just like somebody staying at the resort, like wandering into the lobby looking for the <laughs> ice machine. It, it's just, it's so fucking bad. It it infuriates me because these are like the easy things you can do to make this show look better. And they just don't ever mm-hmm. do it. They are tired. They haven't had a break. Just like us. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Producers, they're just like us. Please. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Jamie plays the role of the first responder and Michelle Young gives her inauguration speech. She's so excited. This journey to find love. She had a healthy example of love references her parental longevity again, 33 years. When I was in your position, you can feel some pretty amazing things. Just praising the process when you're vulnerable and you stay open when you're your authentic, true authentic self. That's what you always get from me. They're really hitting this authentic self thing pretty hard. I feel like that's going to be, the grown-ass fan of this season. Yeah, I do too. And Jamie pulls her. He loves her smile. She smiles with her spirit. Michelle says there's no awkward moments with you. She has one-on-one time with the pizza printer who knows she's a foodie. He feeds her some uh, cannoli, which she's never had before, some food play. And then Michelle Young pulls Joe Coleman. 
She references their DMs. I got a few responses back and then someone forgot to hit send. And he says, (laughs) he's a little rambly here. (laughs) He says, I had a lot going on. Property in George Floyd Square, three blocks away. Had a lot of shootings, murders, a lot of things going on. Caused a lot of anxiety. Didn't feel I was in a place to open up to somebody. Wish I could have handled it better. Michelle says, I'm a big communications person. Also a woman of color living right there. My students experiencing it. You would have just had to say the word. Didn't have to be ready for a relationship. Respect is a huge thing. My hesitation is how do I know you're not going to shut down? Coleman says, I've been working on it, gone to therapy. I truly came for you. She appreciates him being open, being a black man talking about going to therapy and says, I want you to know I see you and understand that. Also need to make sure I protect my heart as well. Have a lot to think about. From this conversation, I knew he was going to get the last flower. Of course. I was like, this is how she's going to punish him for not responding to her DM. Of course. The thing that I found most interesting about this, two things really. They're still putting in the document conversations about George Floyd and race in America, which is like fucking great that it's still in there and they're allowing it, the producers Mm -hmm. and the editors. Two, this is parasocial play affecting the fucking game again. Mm -hmm. Not that it's maybe as mossy and as Dale Moss's parasocial play was, but... Nonetheless, it's people DMing outside the game who are now brought into the game and whatever parasocial interaction they had is affecting the actual game. It's, In fact, in this case, it's Joe Coleman's main story is that he DM'd her and then Mm -hmm. ghosted her. Well, she says she slid into his DMs. Oh, sure, right. So she slid into his DMs and then he ghosted her. Whatever the case, I'm just saying that as much as the producers are trying to curb people's Instagram and to curb that element of the show, the social media component of it, it's you can't. You fucking can't. And now they're using this guy, Joe Coleman, to prop him up as a player to even use it as a story within this season, despite the fact that they shit on it if you openly talk about it. I mean, Instagram is online dating. It is dating in the modern world. You know, like you can't. Uh, yeah. But they hug it out and she tells him she has a lot to think about. So he's not going to get a rose just yet. And then portion six begins with Clayton asking Rick if he's going <laughs> to be in the, the table the whole night. And this is where he says, hopefully not the whole night. And we get this fucking <laughs> ominous feeling that like he, he has no choice in this. Taj can't pee. Taj can't poop. Taj can't pee. Taj can't poop. Rick can't leave the table. Rick can't fucking not be a steak. God damn. <sighs> It's just crazy to me that anybody's watching this. He then gets a PA assist. They wheel him in for a steal for the first steal of the night from Spencer. He then gets Young to feed him strawberries. So obviously they wouldn't let him leave the table. And they said you have to do some food play with the table before you can actually emerge. He climbs out from under the table. They hug. He says, I know this journey can get stuffy when you're with me. I want it to be fun. I want to find a wife. And Michelle calls this a little chemistry. I thought it was a little intense energy, but maybe what I was picking up on was chemistry. No, she's saying what the producers are telling her to, (laughs) obviously. She's not going to pick this fucking guy to go anywhere with her in the... the, I don't think this guy's making the playoffs. I don't think this guy's making her finals. This is like the producers want this guy around. I don't think he'll be top four, but I think he'll stay a little while. Rick is their Ed Wastebrot. This season, he's going to do whatever they say. They're going to keep him around. Then we get some one-on-one time with Apple Rodney, and she tells him why his Granny Smith 
apple tot is wrong because that's the only green apple and he's wearing a red apple. Ryan gets some ITMs about turtling and he's getting the full music edit. So uh, we already know that they're kind of positioning him in that direction. We know that they're setting him up for the papers, the folders. And Michelle has a few brief pops here with some other guys. Then Ryan takes her out to the ice cream truck and we see the one-on-one time with Ryan He goes to the ice cream truck, comes out with some ice cream for him, and he tells her where he's from and that he coaches Special Olympics. And he connected with her, giving her these kind of down-to-earth qualities. And so they actually have a moment here, at least it seems from Michelle's reaction to it, that she kind of likes this guy and he's not such a bad guy. So again, the producers and Tasha and Caitlin, her two best friends, let her go out, have ice cream with this guy, have a fucking moment of connection with him before telling him about any of these fucking papers. Yes, they let her load love level one for him. I really did feel a connection right off the bat. One of the sparks that took <sighs> off a little bit. Like who is watching this show thinking they give a fuck about Michelle Young at all? Or that Michelle Young gives a fuck about him either. Like one of those is true or not true. You know what I mean? Either the producers are trying to set her up to care about him or she knows that and is pretending to care. Either way, you're watching a lie. <laughs> Leroy then has one-on-one time and presents the selfies he took with Michelle, hashtag teacher and student. I just like the hashtag teacher and student thing. We had a teacher and student scandal at my high school recently. It was not good. You don't want hashtag teacher and student. (laughs) It's bad. It's very bad. Before it gets too bad, Taitlin interrupts. And now... They're going to tell her about the folders. Finally, they make it seem like they just happened to find this document, even though we have seen even in the show tonight that they knew about it for at least a fucking day prior to this. And they tell her that Ryan has writings uh, like research he's done on teachers and how not to be a villain in quotes makes it seem like you're super interested in that stuff. They say is one of the lines in there. And she asks if whoever has these folders is somebody she's already talked to. She, you can tell right there. Mm -hmm. She's like, did the fucking producers make me waste one-on-one time with a guy who fucking they're now setting up to be like he brought folders in? And of course, yes, it's Ryan. If this was so alarming, why wouldn't they have told her right away? Because they're also on the take. This is some of the worst producer work I think I've seen. None of it's believable. Literally none. Wowee. I would give it my wowee moment of the week, but it's just shitty. It's like bad producing. It's actively terrible. I can't give them an award for it, you know? If it was a little more Machiavellian (laughs) or a little bit more like under the radar, maybe, but this is just stupid. So Michelle pulls Ryan for some one-on-one time and portion seven begins. She's confronting him as the other guys are all ITMing about the possibility of this event forcing them to turtle. Michelle confronts him and says they saw some notes about how to get the most screen time, how not to be the villain, searching up facts about teachers. I do want to hear an explanation. He says, I'm very new to The Bachelor. I hadn't seen much of it. Those were notes written by my friend's wife who watches The Bachelor, and I haven't seen the show as much as more than two hours. That line is suspect. <laughs> and she says, the, no- the, no- the notes, I haven't seen as much as more than two hours. Michelle says, the notes are are in your room. Can we take a look? So they go to the elevator. Will reads the energy in the room that she doesn't look happy. Ryan opens the folders. He says, this is my dream girls and dating list. (laughs) This is, this is rough. (laughs) Wait, you don't have a dream girls and dating list? I have that list. I would just never bring it into a reality TV show. I mean, everybody has that list, right? Your dream girls and dating list. 
I mean, that is one of my um, my mind folders I keep. My dream girls. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. You keep that one locked right up there. This shit was fucking brutal. It's like not only are they exposing that he's brought this shit into the game, it's like the shit that he has is you don't want anyone knowing you have a, a no. perfect dating girls folder and all that shit. And no. he's trying to like squirm around it, saying that he didn't really write it, that it was the friend's wife and all that shit. And it's just, it's bad. And then ultimately he's like, look, I'll let, I'll leave the room and let you dig through this shit by yourself, which is just even worse. Cause now we get these shots of Michelle Young sitting down and just like shaking her head, disgusted, outraged, reading through this stuff. And of course she is not going to, Take this. She dismisses him. Can we talk about one little bit in here? She reads some of the stuff. She says there's a few repeated phrases season to season. And your biggest fault is you're overconfident and arrogant. It's a massive turnoff to people. You come off as mean and demanding. Better to keep those thoughts to yourself and express a positive outlook to others. So this is like his friend's wife, like giving him a personal criticism and like telling him to rein it in. Oh, rough or he wrote that about himself either way very rough definitely hard to watch this being read out loud on national television i can only assume that Uh dude is not having a good night tonight and probably not a good week but the good news for you ryan is you will be forgotten in seven days no one will care and your life will move on you actually probably were spared here by being dismissed on night one but despite that still Ryan bringing those folders into the game <laughs> was my error, 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 error of the game. You obviously can't do this. You can't bring in documented <laughs> evidence of your pre-planning Machiavellian scenarios and how you're going to try to manipulate people into getting whatever you want out of the game. Like Pace Case has been saying all night. Those are mind folders. You keep them in your mind and you execute the plays <laughs> from your mind. You don't have them printed out there in your stuff. Yes, we've been having people sending us stuff like, did you train this person? And it's like, it's an insult. Yeah, absolutely not. We would never suggest that you bring this written material in game. I'll just say this. My <laughs> coaching tactics definitely don't involve bringing in written materials ever. That's a, a cardinal sin. I will also see this though about this entire event. I'm not entirely sure it was real. There is a piece of me Mm. that believes all of this is manufactured by the producers specifically to keep driving in the narrative that if you come into this game with a plan, we will find out and you will be punished. That the game itself is ironclad, airtight. That this type of thing not only will not be allowed that you you can't do it, that you will be punished for it, that it you'll be removed mm-hmm. from the game. We just saw it with Brennan Rice and Piper James. That you can't read our book. Well, that's another piece of this. Like, Unfortunately, January 18th, 2022, everybody's going to have a mind file because it's the book. Everybody will have read that. And whatever he has in those papers is, I mean, that's child's play compared to what's in the book. So you think he's a producer plant? Possibly. But in a way that's like they found him on Instagram or something and we're like, hey, dude, we'll give you a paradise birth if you do this for us. Mm. I could see something like that being the case. There's no way they put him on paradise after that edit. 
that guy will 100% be on Paradise. 100%. It was the folder guy. Oh my God, you were the folder guy. Did you bring any folders? That'll be his whole thing. He'll 100% touch sand. Hmm. I mean, it can be worth it. Look at what Thomas has done. I agree. Look at what fucking grocery store Joe did. Night one guy. He didn't bring in folders. He didn't bring in folders, but he was dismissed. No one gave a fuck. And now he's got a million followers, hosts a podcast. He's got his second fiance from Paradise. It's like... First fiance. Oh, was he not engaged to Kendall? I thought they were engaged. No. Oh, they were just seriously dating. At any rate, this was an incredible thing to watch. It is basically free promotion for our book. I feel bad for Ryan, but I feel worse for the fourth audience who had to suffer through all of that. And then Ryan even kind of grovels and says, there's no way I can change your mind. And she says, no, I'm sticking to my my decision. You had too many red flags. And he gets walked out by her. And then we end that portion on this shot of Ryan crunching a plastic water bottle while he's sitting alone on this little stump at the entrance of the resort. Just one final insult from the producers to be like, this is what you get. This is your fucking punishment. Alone and sad in the cold, dead night. Fuck you. Sit on the trash. (laughs) And Michelle ITMs, one of my biggest worries is people might not be here for TRR. If someone is not here for TRR, I will be sending them home. Hit that message hard. Comes back to the group, says she's looking for someone authentic. And Ryan had a lot of red flags. I am not for a play-by-play book of how to get screen time and how not to be a villain. I mean, come <laughs> on. I'm just like, they're they're giving us freebies here. She's in our marketing department. Yeah. <laughs> for real. Right? It's unfucking believable Some of this shit, I just, I don't know how much she has listened to our podcast up to the point of her shooting. Like, I don't... I, at, at certain points, I'm just listening to what they're saying and I'm like, how are they not directly referencing the book we wrote? I, it's too crazy at this point. I have felt targeted by the show before. You know, the ladders, for instance. But this one feels <laughs> <Okay>. real. <laughs> I agree with you. It, it definitely feels like this. I don't know if they're targeting us specifically, but there is a momentum behind the idea that this is a game and there is a way to win it. And I would say we are helping to fuel that momentum, certainly, in our (laughs) podcast and in the book. We have a little bit focused on it. (laughs) Exactly. We have been a little focused on it. But I think that they are fighting hard against it because the producers see it as a loss of control, which is true. That is what it is. But there's no way of stopping it. Again, you know, Michelle Young saying there's not a playbook of how to get screen time and how not to be a villain. It's like there is. It's available for pre-order right now. So I'm very curious to see what's going to happen in... What will be, our book comes out during the airing of Clayton Etchard's season. Then the first season that will be shot with that book in the world will be the next Bachelorette season, Bachelorette 19. That will be the first one where players will have Mm -hmm. had a chance to read our book. And it will be guys. So I don't know how much they're going to be reading our book and like using it. I feel like the next Bachelor season, Bachelor 27, is going to be the one that's like fucking off the rails. All pro players. Everyone will have read our book. But we'll see. Someone just texted me. Did you guys give Ryan those notes? <laughs> God damn it. People have been saying that to me too. No. I'm just like, are you fucking out of your mind? First of all, anybody I'm coaching, you're not going to know it. That's all I'm going to say about it. Like, you're not going to know it. Because <laughs> they're going to be good at the fucking game. Uh, yeah. 
I, I, it's it's such a fucking insult at this point. After all the work we've put into this, the book we've written, the fucking hours, the years we put into this at this point, that anyone would think like we would tell somebody to take your fucking folders in, make sure you're reading them every night. Oh yeah, bring the galley of our book in. Oh fuck it, whatever. <laughs> I wish I could have helped Ryan. I wish I could have helped him. We finally, <laughs> we finally get to. Some of the only play that we saw this entire episode, only good play we saw, Nate's one-on-one time. He ITMs, loading walls. I do have this shell around me. I'm guarded. He says, I'm nervous to Michelle. I don't want to get into family stuff. You already led with how strong your family is. My family doesn't have that aspect. And Michelle goes, no, I want you to go into it. And Nate says, I had the best childhood, but my parents got divorced. My mom just went through another divorce with my stepdad, who was my best friend. He plays this parental divorce PTC. And this PTC was my... Play, 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 play of the game. He acts very coy with the intro into this PTC. Oh, I don't want to get into it. You have that parental longevity story. He gives her these walls and a goal for her to coax this story out of him. It was beautifully played. This entire thing, I didn't give it to the PTC. The the entire uh, one-on-one time that he had was my... Play, 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 play of the game. This shit was a work of fucking art. You you usually see what he did here in a fucking five minutes of one-on-one time on night one. You usually see that transpire over the course of an entire actual day-long one-on-one date. He loads mm-hmm. walls in an ITM. He raises them at the beginning of the date. He then uses a PTC to bring them down. And of course, he's going to be fucking rewarded for it. Usually... A very good player will do that over the course of an entire day. This motherfucker walks in on night one and does it. Unreal. You're talking about like evolution of gameplay. I don't know that I've ever seen anything this fast and this fucking effective. Hands down, play of the game. And like I said, we're going to see that uh, he gets rewarded for it. And she even says that Nate reset the night after Ryan's Mm. (laughs) fucking physical folders, not the mind folders. Brilliant play by Nate here. And he quickly established himself in this moment as a high-level player to me. And, you know, whatever. We can have some predictions at the end of this episode, but I think he got this one all wrapped up. He even does, like, a really subtle move. He says, I've never seen my parents kiss. I want my kids to be able to see that. And she says, you're growing when you're uncomfortable. You reset the night. And I feel like it was a little hinting, like maybe we should kiss later. Yeah. We get one-on-one time with Martin, one-on-one time with Clayton. He says his mom is a teacher in special education. Being a teacher speaks to the type of person that she is because teachers have had such a positive impact on my life. Solid play. Did you notice right before those one-on-one times, Caitlin comes in with the Fimpros and it looks like she's holding it on a little ashtray. The pedestal that they put it on, usually it's like a nice ornate wooden tray or a fucking gold or silver platter or something. It just looks like a little square glass ashtray. It, it, It was one of the worst Fimp display items that I've seen in a while. I like when you rate the, the <laughs> display tray. <laughs> Look, 
You always notice that. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. The shit that I notice in their show, it's like, it takes its toll on me, but I can't help it. Now I just fucking notice it every goddamn time. Yeah. It would be funny if you had a wall of fimp trays behind you. Set it up. Displayed. Love to have them. But then after these one-on-one times, we see in multiple ITMs that every one of these different guys thinks that... in including the fucking table guy, thinks he's going to get the FIMP. But we already know Nate has this wrapped up from the official Bachelorette Instagram account that spoiled it in the group photo that came out yesterday. Everyone already knew he had it. What? That big photo where they're all standing in a group and she's in front of them holding up the little sign that says classes in session or whatever. He's wearing the FIMP rose. Oh, I didn't see that. That's, oh God. This is just more terrible marketing coming from the official. What? It's just lazy. It's sloppy. They did that all through Katie Thurston's season, spoiling who was going to be at the Mentel All. How and can you do that? It's terrible. They're just very bad at it. And then Michelle does, in fact, come in, picks up the FIMP, takes Nate away, and he gets that FIMP rose, and he gets that kiss, and Michelle coins the phrase, nothing but Nate, as she's giving him the FIMP. I think we're going to hear that again. Uh, all these basketball metaphors. It's just, I mean, he played about the best night one I think we've seen from a dude in a long time. Yeah. Other than Dale Moss, arguably, but that's a whole different thing. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's another level. Michelle ITM's a wall came down. That's all I needed to see. Sparks, butterflies, loading love level one for Nate. And then we come into portion nine. All the guys are on the risers. We get Chris S saying that he turtled and he's blaming Ryan and his antics with the folders for his turtling. Rodney ITM some nervousness. And she comes down the stairs. This time, the shot is a little better. I will give them that. Still not great. Joe is nervous. And we feel like he's he's the chopping block guy, basically. As we were saying early on, you know, will he or will he not get the rose? And it seems like it's Joe, it's Rodney, and it's Chris S. Kind of the guys that they're propping up here for us to be nervous for them. And then Michelle comes down and addresses the guy. She's very standard night one address. Appreciate you guys all being vulnerable. And I already like some of the connections that are starting to form. Just know that if you don't get a rose, I have to follow my heart, trust my intuition. And she wishes everyone the best. And we are into the rose ceremony. First flower, Jamie. Second flower, Leroy. Then Martin, Spencer, Rick, Clayton, Peter, PJ, Malik, Romeo, Daniel, Brandon, J, Will, Chris, S, Rodney, Alec, Part Deep, Christopher G, Casey, Olu, LT, and then Taylor emerges and Taisha gives Michelle the dark touch. And then Michelle excuses herself with some false drama so that they can cliffhang this segment. <laughs> this shit, this happens now like every fucking night one. The lead is like, excuse me. And they have to go make some fucking crazy life altering decision. It's just like, come on. We are. We know you're giving it to Joe. We know he's getting the rose. This is not necessary. And yet they do it every fucking time. They make it look like she has spent all night debating this because she comes back and it's boring. Yeah, it's it's just like, whatever. I, at this point, these little antics, they don't affect me. And I feel like most of the audience probably feels the same way. Could be wrong. Doesn't affect you like the, the Fimprose trays. The Fimprose trays get me every time. Because <laughs> that's just a simple bit of production design. It's fucking spend another $10 at... MJ Designs or whatever, fucking Michael, some craft store, and you could have something that at least doesn't look like an ashtray. That's all I ask. It's the FIMP. <laughs> Treat it with fucking respect. Anyway, 
Portion 10 begins. Michelle wonders why Joe is here now. Is it because she's the bachelorette? She ITMs. She questions his motivations, but he does get that 22nd rose, meaning seven dudes were cut and we don't see any of their exits. We just see a couple of hugs, but we don't see any of their exit speeches or getting in the cars or anything. No tears. And then she congratulates all the guys that remain. She cheers them and she says they're all still there because she sees something in them that she wants to explore and cheers to the beginning of the real journey. She says the implication is that night one here is really just a weeding out process, the game before the game. But now the real game, the main season, as we call it, the regular season now begins. We also recognize that Michelle Young, just as you do. Night one is its own game. And then we get these promos for the upcoming season. We see these dudes playing like Viking games on a football field. We see a school-based obstacle course, farm animals, boats, pools, airplanes, race cars, pizza, pillow fights, dancing. Repeat of the Peter Weber flight school obstacle course date. Looks like they're going to do that one Mm -hmm. exactly as they did it on his season, complete with the fucking gyroscope thing. Why not? Hope someone cheats, Kelly Flanagan style. I do too. If anybody watched that season, this will be a very good uh, refresher. And we see a bunch of other stuff, horses, trams, zip lines, hoojus, a moon, some beaches, birthday candles, secret relationships. Nate is accused of being a player by Clayton. A jacket gets thrown in a pool, some forced violence, kisses, Ferris wheel, apple orchard, squatting and crying. Final altar. We see no ambulance, no fence jump, no bring her home to us, no big dramatic moment that it seems they're building to. So we'll see if maybe one of those things is going to emerge, but it was not here in the promo. I feel like their fence jump is kind of like this this dear future soulmate poem, which has been in the promos and they put in here. Mm-hmm. It's like they're, it has like a dark ambiance to it. I guess an ambiance isn't really a fence jump, but <laughs> no. Do you remember when the, the Colton fence jump thing, when they played that shit in the promo, yeah. at least for me, I remember just being like, what the fuck could possibly happen to make this man jump over a fucking fence to try and escape this torture chamber? I was in, yeah. I was like, please show me everything. Even bring her home to us. Mm-hmm. Sweet Num's performance in it was like, this woman is being drastically emotionally affected by something. And who is she talking about? There was mystery and there was emotion. I didn't see any yeah. mystery. I didn't see any emotion in these promos. And no ambulances. There's no injury. Give me a fucking injury. This is The Bachelor. I mean, they are going to play musical chairs. We saw. And that, yeah. I was like, that reminded me of Squid Game. And they're going to fight with pugil sticks. But that's not like boxing. That's not rugby. There's no dude getting folded in half by a 300-pound XD1 middle linebacker. But we'll see. I mean, that's just what they put in the promo. Maybe they're saving the good stuff. We don't know. Not that they really ever do that. But time will tell. And then we get this tag. And it's Taitlin fucking around with the bed from the limo exit. They can't push it. And Big Polly has to come in and push them both around. And a wheel falls off. Didn't work for me. Wasn't very funny. Didn't show much chemistry or anything. Just kind of there, inert. Clues, we did not do an Instagram breakdown for this season and make our final four predictions. That's correct. Do you have final four predictions right now? Yeah, I think Nate wins the whole thing or becomes Bachelor if he wants. I think he's on path to ring. And if he wants to become crown, he could do a late season pivot in fantasy suite round and claim crown if he wants. I just don't, there's no one doing what he did. That fucking one-on-one conversation as I said, work of fucking art. And I'm not getting the sense from anyone else that they can play at that level. I think we're watching like a Dale Moss type 
so much better than everybody else that it's going to be a fucking joke. That said, there will have to be a final four <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe he's going to moss it like for real, but I think you're going to see Joe in there. I think you might see Jamie in there. Mm-hmm. First flower, you know, that's a powerful flower as we know, mm-hmm. at least in bachelor statistics, but I think it holds similarly true in bachelorette. And then I don't, I don't know. I keep going back to what you said about Clayton, that maybe he makes final four before he gets kicked off. And I'm like, fuck, he is the bachelor. And having that foreknowledge, I know ways very heavily on the scale of what I might decide who's going to be in the final four. And I'm like, fuck, maybe he is. Are you putting him? Yeah, I'm going to go Joe, Jamie, Nate, Clayton. Fuck, I don't want to say it. Clayton, fuck <laughs> it, I'm doing it. Those are my final four. Who? What do you got? Mine are Nate, Joe, Clayton, Martin. Ah, okay. He's good too. Little, I can see him going. A little slight difference. Yeah. I just feel like no one is going to be able to do what Nate is going to be able to do. And I think we might get a thing because he wins the FIMP and FIMP is different in Bachelorette. Like traditionally speaking, they have a much better track record than FIMP in Bachelor in terms of getting ring or crown or final four or any of that. I think his biggest problem is probably going to be she gets too comfortable with him too fast and then is like, oh, but what about these other relationships? Am I not giving them a chance? I think that's the narrative they'll kind of build around it to have some mm. threat of maybe he, they won't wind up together. What about these 4TWR accusations? Nothing. It's nothing. The way they're cutting that, I don't even think it's about Nate necessarily. Mm. I think they're trying to drum up something that's not real. Trick us. Yeah. I thought, yeah. My other ones I was like borderline on were... Spencer and Chris S. I feel like they might be up there. Yeah. Spencer's a good player too. I think he'll he'll maybe be up there. These are all like possible top fours. The only two that I know for sure are Joe and Nate. Yeah. They're definitely in top four. And then, like I said, there's something about Jamie that is like, I think she really likes him. And I think he's going to be a great second audience player. I think they're the other dudes are going to really like mm. him. So I think he's going to... St- Stay out of trouble, and that's going to get him through a lot of shit. We'll see. I just think Nate is above and beyond. And for that reason, let's now discuss our MVPs. I'm pretty sure we have the same one. We've just been talking about him for 20 fucking minutes. (laughs) Nate was my... MMMMVP. Nate was also my MMMMMVP. Hard to argue with a Fimp Rose. Hard to argue with First Kiss. Hard to argue with essentially doing a complete one-on-one date in the span of five or ten minutes on night one. I mean, he's just, he's crushed everybody at this point. And I think that's just going to keep happening again and again and again. I wouldn't be surprised if Nate gets one of the first one-on-one dates. If they do next week, two one-on-ones and one group, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets one of the one-on-ones. If they do one one one-on-one and two groups, I don't think he'll get that one. I think he'll get one the following week. I feel like we saw him on the pilot group date, and I feel like that's next week. Oh, all right. If I were to guess. Right. He'll be on group date. Yeah, well, good luck to all the players. You know, it's a lot to uh, shoulder that we're in another season of The Bachelorette already. (laughs) I'm 
people say that. I just feel like there's been no break this entire fucking year because there really hasn't been. Yeah. <laughs> we took our first vacation last week and I already feel ready for another one. Totally. But we will be back on Thursday to break down everything from this week in Bachelor Nation, all the news that's been happening. Specifically, we're going to be talking also about the ratings of this very episode that we just broke down. I'm super fucking curious to see what that is. I have some predictions about what may or may not happen to the season, but I hope it does well for Michelle Young, and I hope we see an uptick because even though like some of the production, I'm shitting on it because it's bad, they are at the very least in these promos showing us that they're trying to get back to like a more opulent Bachelor with dates outside of the resort. Even though this whole show is locked into that resort, they are going to be going out mm-hmm. into the world to like a Major League Baseball game and an NFL field and a little bit more of what we we kind of know and love about a traditional look of The Bachelor and traditional dates. And we will also be talking about the Instagram gains that the players got this week, as well as Michelle. She's got roughly the same amount of followers that Katie Thurston had going into her season, but maybe because of the schedule, maybe because of other factors, we'll see whether she reaches the million club. Yeah. I'm going to no longer predict it's going to happen during the season. I'm going to predict after the season this time. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it all depends on how many people are watching this season and what kind of dramatic stuff happens in it, who she winds up with. All these factors play into how many followers the fourth audience is willing to give you. And for my money, one of the reasons that I really love our beloved game is unlike every other professional sport, we, the fourth audience, are actually the people who determine how much money the players get paid, other than what they get paid on Bachelor in Paradise. But in every other sport, the star quarterback, the pitcher, the fucking home run guy, whatever, the team, the people who run it, the owners, the general managers, decide what their salaries are. We decide the salaries of everybody in our beloved game because we give them the Instagram numbers. And that is what determines how much money they make. It's actually quite beautiful. I love it. That's that's part of the kind of um, the democracy of our beloved game, if you will, you know, is that we all get to cast our singular vote by following a person. And whatever that number winds up being is how much money you make. So good luck to all the players this season. And we thank you for your suffering to those that were eliminated, including Ryan tonight. <laughs> that was a tough one to watch. But join us. In two short days, 48 short hours for this week in Bachelor Nation. And before we go, as always, what is that Dwabat? It has been 7,149 days without an Asian Bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 
15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix, just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Sweaters, candles. The dreaded bathrobe? Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. 
She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> 